Hello and welcome to What Else Do You Do? I'm your host, Masao. I'm an indie producer in Montreal working for Studio Cut to Bits. And today our guest is Deandra Lesrado. Please introduce yourself. Hi there. My name's Deandra and I am a senior narrative designer. I'm also an editor and a voiceover coordinator for the games industry. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about being Asian because this is part of Asians working in the games industry in the West series of interviews. So let's start with what's your ethnic background? So my ethnic background is that I am Asian Indian, which is a designation I didn't know they would put uh, as a category until just recently with my uh, COVID vaccination. So it was the first time I'd ever seen it listed. And it made me so happy because truly it actually made me feel seen because a lot of times I put down Asian and there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there <laughs> for me at least. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Asian is such a broad term and depending on where you are, that, you know, means something very different. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times here, at least when I say, oh, I'm Asian, people are trying to figure out like, but where are you from? And <laughs> yeah. uh, people forget that the Asian subcontinent, like it stretches really far into, That's you know, true. the Middle East. <laughs> if you're Middle Eastern, technically. They're West Asians. Although West nobody, Asian. nobody ever talks about West Asians because. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I, not even sure if they identify as Asians. Like, uh, I've heard a I few people actually know. starting okay. to kind of identify as West Asian. Uh, I would always go, of course, on, on what their comfort level is. But um, in a recent uh, diversity meeting, I heard um, somebody from, I think it was, it's our Middle Eastern network say, you know, we would prefer to be using West Asian. And that okay. really delighted me. And I thought that was really cool because... Again, I feel like saying I'm Asian or South Asian is a little more like indicative of, mm -hmm. you know, who I am. I'm more than happy to welcome more people into our greater Asian yeah, family, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like in, I feel like in North America, Asian, the default Asian is kind of East Asian frequently. Yes, absolutely. Whereas which is in the again, UK, where it gets... <laughs> it's very South Asian, which yep. is interesting. That is, yeah. Oh, colonization. That it, to me, that it just speaks to yeah. to who colonized who and where. <laughs> or sometimes also it's, um, some immigration lines too. For Indian people, there's a bunch of Indian people in the UK, and that's because, well, yeah. we were British. We were a British colony for quite some time. Yeah, and we're. I guess in the in the United States, I guess it was primarily Chinese people that were I, Asians that were present in the probably early 20th century. I'm trying to think. I'd say, well, historically speaking, I'm Canadian, so okay. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm actually Canadian. So I'm trying to brush up. I'm trying to figure out my uh, the bits of American history that I know. I know that there was a lot of, um, of course, Japanese immigrants, mm -hmm. um, Chinese immigrants, because all the railroads were built on the backs of that poor slave labor. I would say I think you're correct in, in that. I would defer to an expert, but I believe, yeah, probably Japanese and uh, Chinese immigrants, as well as Japanese and Chinese immigrants. We'll, we'll yeah, I'd that. imagine, at least in the early 20th century, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Post-war, things, things, I think, shifted quite a bit. but Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think, I believe there were, there were some laws, at least in the United States, that kind of prohibited or like limited the number of immigrants from China because they were concerned. And then there yes. was also the... Laws that prevented women from immigrating because oh. they, they didn't want. But we're, all sorts we're, of <laughs> wild immigration, terrible yes, things that happened. Yeah, terrible things that. I'll Americans being terrible moment. about uh, 
immigration never oh never. Um, no never americans are never terrible about immigration so you're canadian okay i am canadian I, I did not know this i i thought you were an american because you live in california oh yeah i had a whole <laughs> i have a whole love story that goes with that one uh I was in Canada, my partner was, uh, I was actually in Toronto, and my partner was in LA, and we met playing a video game called City of Heroes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was so funny, um, he told me that he worked in the film industry, and I didn't believe him because a man on the internet told me that he worked in film, and I, I mean, was like... That's, that's pretty fair. I would, I would not believe a person on the internet that tells me that they work in film. Yeah, deep, deep skepticism, but it actually ended up being true, and we kind of got together... I was just having a bad time at work. I, I, before I worked in games, I worked in library. And the library that I was at, I loved that job. I thought I would actually be a librarian. That was my end goal. That was my, my bigger thing. But when I met him, I was just having a rough time in that government job for a variety of reasons. And he said, why don't you come visit me in LA? And I told him, sure, maybe in like a year or so when I, when I can afford it. He's like, just flew you down and i said well if i'm not paying for the ticket sure why not so he flew me down and it is the mushiest grossest love story like i met him and then three days later i just kind of went oh man i like this guy and i think i admitted i loved him like three days in it oh, was no. <laughs> oh yeah well i kind of decided like this is the guy that i'm gonna marry and so <laughs> that's kind of what i did um that was back in 2006. In 2007, uh, he got a job in uh, Jerusalem, Israel. Okay. And I thought that I'd have to wait like two years to actually start cohabitating with him. Because, you know, I'm in Canada, he's in the States. When he got the job in Israel, he's like, I am allowed to bring a significant other with me. Would you like to come? And we had maybe been together for like six, seven months at that point. And I just said, sure, why not? Fuck Adventure. it, let's go to Israel. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the Middle East. It's great. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but that was uh, that was a, a mid-20s decision of mine because I'm like, what else do I have to lose? This sounds like an adventure. And then kind of just didn't stop living together after that until he hilariously, further on down the line, after many years, you know, us getting married and, and many years of being together, uh, he got a job over in North Carolina for a bit because he also works in the industry as well. He got a job in North Carolina for a bit. And then actually he was in Montreal for a little bit as well. At, of course, the quintessential studio Ubisoft. <laughs> but he did miss, he did miss, you know, being home with his, uh, with his partner. So he came back uh, during COVID times. And so we're back together. But it's been, a, it's been a wild, fun ride where we've kind of been all over the world together. Yeah. And after all these years, you're still together, even though oh, yeah. like it sounded like a total crazy. Didn't sound totally crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I met a guy sometimes after three months. Out. It yeah, does. I met a guy after out. three months, yeah. and now it's been like 15, 16 years. So yeah. it's going pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. So but did you grow up in Toronto? Here. For anybody that's Canadian and listening, technically, I was born and raised in Newmarket, Ontario, which is just north of Toronto. But okay. for everybody else. Toronto's the big pin on the map. <laughs> is it is it considered the GTA? Yeah. The Greater Toronto area? Barely. It's Barely. York okay. Re it's York region, so it's just like a hair's breadth away from okay. the, the, the GTA. <laughs> so what was it like growing up outside uh, of Toronto? Oh, it was rural, I guess. Even though I like comparatively, I think it's rural because I live in a city. I live in like LA now. 
But growing up, it was it, it still felt rural to me, even though we had farmlands north of us that were actually rural. Like to me, our, our town just felt so small. There wasn't really a lot going on in it. It was very monocultural, if you will. Like I the the joke that my family had is like when they came to our township, there was them and a black family. And then the black family moved away. <laughs> And then it was just them. And okay. so, so there you was were, you nobody. Were, you grew up really in a very white community. Very white community. And it really affected me in a lot of ways. Like, and people don't really realize that I'm Indian because I just, I don't have an accent. And that's something mm-hmm. that they expect, which is a weird thing to expect, seeing as I was born well, and raised in North well, America. Yeah, it's pretty uncommon, I feel like, with like second generation and third generation immigrants. Yeah. yeah. For you well, to have kind of distinct accents, but... Well, I would say that my, so my parents came from India. Okay. And uh, they they had their own interesting love story and life journey where my dad went to Germany and wrote love letters back to my mom and, and then swept her off to Germany where my sister was born. So she's actually technically a German citizen. And then okay. they went from Germany over to Canada, which is where they had me. They had a choice. It could be Canada or Brazil. And my mother chose Canada because of all things, she hates the heat. She absolutely despises the heat, despite being an Indian lady. So she went, she's like, they have snow here. It's going to be great. And then she, she had me and I'm like, absolutely not woman. This is terrible. I hate being, (laughs) I hate being cold. That's why I live in California. It's great. Uh, but yeah, we had this this tiny little town and just no Indian people really near us. Why did they choose? What was their motivation to choose where they lived? I think housing. It was an okay. affordable housing area at the time. Uh, they thought that it was a really good schooling district. And a thing that my parents or my mother told me a really long time ago is that you always have to be better. Like you always have to be better than all the rest of them because you, like she said, people look down on me and your dad because we don't speak the language like they do. So we want you to speak perfectly we want you to be better in every aspect because my mother technically has a business degree but she works at a walmart because it was never recognized in canada my dad came over as an engineer and it was also never recognized because he came from india because for a long time canada was not recognizing foreign degrees as having merit so they both you know they worked hard and they provided for us but they weren't able to provide at a level if their degrees had been recognized in they Canada, were underemployed compared yeah, to compared absolutely. to their qualifications yeah and people would think that i'd see it when we'd go out people would think that they're simpler than everybody else just because they spoke with an accent or they just use a different word for something and it was really disheartening for a lot of times it'd be me and my sister kind of speaking for them in public because you could tell that they were sometimes embarrassed and then sometimes we were embarrassed. It's again, it's a lot to unpack when you're, mm-hmm. when you're in that society. And it did kind of fulfill my mom's requirements. Uh, she also has a little bit of a thing with being around too many Indian people, which is, and I get it. I absolutely get it. So our culture, it's very, if you can imagine India, everybody's on top of each other. There's over a billion people packed into this very small mm-hmm. area. So personal privacy and growing yeah. up that way is very not a thing. Like even growing up for us, my parents just didn't get why we wanted like a certain space to our own. And they'd always want to be in that space because 
that's how you grow up. Like your parents are your friends, your family's your friends, and they know everything about you to uh, a minute detail. So when we were more in a North American culture where, no, we have private spaces for us yeah, and just our us. Our own rooms and yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it, it was super, super interesting trying to kind of reconcile all that. That's a, that's a point where uh, being very much more North American did not suit their needs. You weren't exposed to a lot of Indian culture and your community growing up? Uh, no, not a whole bunch. Because again, mommy didn't want, from that closeness, the aspect that she didn't want is she didn't like the idea. Because Mississauga, we could have lived in Mississauga, which is about an hour or so away from us, which is very densely populated with, with Indian people. She just didn't want to uh, grow up in that culture where everybody's kind of looking in on you. So she liked having her own personal privacy in terms of her family. And uh, the statement that she told me was like, oh, she's like, I, I moved away from India to get away from Indian people. Why would I want to go back and be amongst them? Okay. And I thought that was, it was so shady. It was so, so hilariously shady. Yeah. But I, I, I kind of get it. It's, it's a tough subject. Like I'm a first generation immigrant. I mm -hmm. grew up in Japan. I moved to North America and... Mm -hmm. um, for a long time, I didn't hang out with Japanese people because mm. I, it was very difficult for me. I experienced a lot of racism growing up oh, I can and uh, being mixed raced. And um, I just didn't have the energy mm -hmm. to explain that, like, maybe Japan is not that great. <laughs> <laughs> there's things, there's things that yeah. we love and there's things that maybe we don't like so much. Yeah. So that, that's really, yeah, that was, that was something that was, you know, I can definitely relate to being like, okay, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be part of this like diaspora right. community, even if that's who my people are. Yeah. They did yeah. keep a lot of like, I didn't really eat outside food ever. Like there were certain traditional things that we had. Okay. So growing up, it was always very much like it's Indian food all the time. Which I, I tell that to other people, like, oh, we just had Indian food all the time. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, how terrible for you. I'm like, no, you don't understand. When you're growing up as a kid, you want to do what all the other kids are doing. And so it's a little bit weird when you're like, I want to eat mac and cheese. Like, you know, all the other kids around me are eating mac and cheese. But instead, you get, like, curry and dal and chana. And it's not quite the same. Because yeah. it, again, it's a it's well, that I mean, social connection, right? I mean, and that, and like maybe sometimes you want to mix it up, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I will say my mom I, was actually good about that. She okay. gave my friends uh, their kind of first taste of fusion. They've told okay. me because uh, bless her soul, I love my mother so much. She is a sassy lady, and she's great. But growing up, when finally we did convince her, okay, okay, we want to eat these things. She would look at the recipe. So she, she would see a, a blue box, like some KD, right? Yeah. She'd see that blue box and she'd go, huh, this has to be wrong. Like, there's no way that this <laughs> is fair. what this like, is. It is. Yeah, that's, it's fair. Like, that is not. That's, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's highly processed nonsense yeah. food, yes. So she, she looked at it. She's like, okay, I'll use this packet. But, like, we're going to put other things in here. So she would, she's like, okay, you like hot dogs in here? Cool, we'll chop up some hot dogs. But we're also going to add in a ton of Indian spices and curry and everything. <laughs> Maybe some onion. Because <laughs> they can't, like, it was baffling to her. She's like, no, 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 these people absolutely must just use this as a base because you yeah. must have flavor in your food and this has nothing. Yeah, it's just like powder and, like, plastic Powder, water, uh, butter. Plastic yeah. <laughs> Pasta. Yep. Yeah. So... 
I don't know. I I didn't grow up on on uh, Kraft mac and cheese, so like for oh, me, really? like it's yeah. Well, I mean, they don't really have it in Japan. But, no, of course not. But so like when I eat it, like it's like it I tastes weird. I don't have this. Yeah, I don't have the same reaction. I'm like, this tastes like mm-hmm. plastic. Like, why why are you <laughs> excited about this plastic? Ooh, what's your opinion on spam? Spam. Um, I mean, I I'm Asian, so like spam is not as like off the table as mm-hmm. i think <laughs> as my wide counterpart um but uh yeah it has to be prepared in a certain way like yes it's kind of gross coming out of the can so like it has to be seared like um i had spam musubi in in hawaii and that's mm-hmm. that's all right like that's yes. totally acceptable spam, um, spam is generally if it's spam. grilled or seared it's okay mm-hmm. I'm not like excited yeah. about spam. Like again, I, I didn't really grow up on that, so <laughs> it's not something I that's like I didn't either. But it's a it's a later in life love that uh, <laughs> I developed. Growing up, I was like, this is super weird because we also didn't. Strangely enough, we're Catholic, but we didn't eat beef, and that confused people for the longest time too because they all thought, of course, you must be Hindu. You don't eat beef. No, we didn't eat beef because my my dad is a very tender soul who um, saw a <laughs> documentary about animals and how they're processed and he saw the the cow one specifically and it really yeah. broke his heart so he could okay. never eat beef after that so okay so you grew up catholic i grew up catholic there is an actually a huge catholic indian population uh or or small in terms of india and by small i mean like 50 million people yeah <laughs> it's South. just uh, proportionally <laughs> just small yeah proportionally yeah. small but still fairly significant Very, fairly sizable community yeah okay that's why my last name is lesrato which is portuguese yeah i was gonna say like yeah your last name does not sound indian at all no. so okay i'm related to the rodriguez's the gonzalez's and it's because about five i guess at this point 500 years ago when the portuguese spice trade was going down there they colonized part of india way down south near goa goa is the biggest portuguese colony but as far as you go down south into like Karnataka state and i think even into kerala you'll get that Portuguese influence. So we're Catholic. We have Portuguese last names and it's all because of that mixed blood in there. Like I've been very curious to try and do a 21 and me only to see like, what is the genetic split? Yeah. No, I think that, that does sound, that's, that does sound like an interesting project. So, so did your parents speak to you anything other than English or do you, were you, was it a strictly English household? Strictly English household be for two reasons. A, they wanted us to have, you know, the perfect diction, great pronunciation, good grasp of the language, but also B, they wanted to have something to shit talk us in. But what that, that we didn't know. Because they would do that so all did, the did time. Did you pick up anything or I can count. I can count and it's weird. If I don't pay attention, if mom is just like talking and she tells me to do something in it, I'll sometimes subconsciously go do it because it's just Somewhere in the back of my head, but I have no idea what she's saying if I'm paying attention. Okay. Yeah, it's it's somewhere deeply rooted in there. But yeah, they love having their their secret language to talk about <laughs> us. Me and my sister. Me and my sister. Well, um, okay. Kind of along these lines, like how Asian do you feel? I say I feel more Asian now than when I grew up. So growing up, I felt like I was a white person. I would actually define myself as like, I I called myself a coconut because I'm brown on the outside and I'm white on the inside. 
But these days I feel a lot more Asian and that has to do with several factors. Uh, there was a point in my teens where I just really did want to connect to that side of me. I stopped being ashamed of it. And I saw it as something like, there's this really cool aspect that I have specifically that other people don't. And it's really interesting. Like I would see all the beautiful saris that my mom would have and that all my aunties would have. And I'd say, I want to wear one of those because it looks so beautiful and so nice. But how do I do that? And does like the colors have meaning? Does the actual style of dress have meaning? And so I got my mom to kind of open up a little bit more about that aspect. Also, it was going to different family, like quote unquote family. We had, they, they did have Indian friends that we'd see on occasion. And it was this thing where when I was with them, all of them grew up in an Indian community in Canada. And so they had kind of a, they had a similar language. Like they all knew the same Bollywood films. They all like kind of did wear like salvars, lengas, saris. And, and they had a sense of community that I was ostracized from there. And it put into contrast how lonely I felt about it. Because even with the Indian people, I was alone because I was too white for them. But amongst white people, there was a certain aspect of me that was just too Indian for them. Because yeah. again, I didn't eat the same food. I only ate Indian food. We were very, very strictly raised. And it, it kind of put me in this middle area where I... I just wanted something. So I starting out, absolutely not. But further on, and especially going more into adulthood, I definitely feel more Asian, but in a sense that I kind of do feel my otherness compared to others, mm -hmm. or compared to the rest, rather. But also in the fact that I've taken it upon myself to try and learn more about where my family came from, our traditions, a little bit of the history here and there. And do you participate in the like the Indian community in Los Angeles? Not that much. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit daunting to get into because I think my mother really she traumatized us a little bit about having Indian friends. And actually, it's funny talking to the second generation. I do have some second generation Indian friends who also have the same feedback, which is. Oh, dealing with the aunties, dealing with the aunties is really hard because it's like my mom said, it's she would arrive late to parties uh, like our whole family would arrive late, late for Indian people to parties, which is very late indeed, because she just didn't want to do the gossipy. Well, oh, so my daughter's here and she's doing this. Oh, my son's here. She's doing this. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, did you get a new house? Like, no, nobody wanted to do any okay. of that. And I'm kind of allergic to that as well, because I'm happy with who I am. I don't need anybody I to mean, judge yeah, me. Yeah. It. And it's, it is kind of uncomfortable if you grow up with kind of more of the, you know, yeah. the typical North American Absolutely. cultural norms. I, I do every once in a while um, think about trying to, again, get more in touch with that side and maybe taking, taking a class for my parents. My parents' language is very specific. It is called Konkani. And it is a dialect after their state language, which is uh, Marathi. That's so specialized. I'm like, I would probably just do myself better if I just learned more Hindu or Sanskrit. Yeah, that would probably give you more access to. <laughs> yeah, to the <laughs> it would culture. open up. Yeah, it open up things a lot. So, part of me is is thinking I was brushing up on my French for Duolingo because being a Canadian, it's that's that was that was the language that I learned. But I'm thinking maybe trying to actually do a little more. Um, research into Hindi to get a little more of my connection back to Indian culture. My okay. really deep connection to Indian culture is food. 
because uh, oh, for I, sure, yeah. I love cooking and that's, and cooking is so specifically family. Like each family makes their stuff differently. Their masala blends, their spice blends are completely different. My true connection back to my culture is my food. And do you primarily cook Indian food or are you more kind of? Oh, I cook, I cook everything. But okay. when I want to, when I miss my family, if I want comfort, I cook Indian food. Okay. Or if I want to show people I very much care about them, I, I cook Indian food. So this is theoretically a game industry podcast. So let's mm -hmm. talk about the games industry. How yeah. do you think being Asian has impacted your experience in the industry? It has been an interesting ride, again, being an Asian that nobody really sees or understands in the game industry. There's a lot of Indian people in tech, I feel, but games specifically, there's not a lot of us. The first time that I met another Indian like game dev that worked on games themselves was uh, at Blizzard, uh, a gentleman named Jay Patel. He was the first Indian guy that I'd ever seen. I was like, wow. There's another one of us. Oh my God, I thought I was all alone here. I feel like it gives me a very different perspective as opposed to, you know, my other Asian compatriots from like, you know, China, Japan, Korea. It's, again, the subcontinent is so wide. We all mm -hmm. have such different experiences based on where we come. And there is sometimes a cultural through line with, with Asian-ness. Like I feel like Asian families, there's a lot of focus on family in a way that there isn't, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in North America. Like the North American family structure versus an Asian family structure, even broadly Asian family structure is very, very different. But even between, uh, yeah, like Indian, Thai, Japanese, Korean, that family structure, you can, you can draw more of a Venn diagram that's closer to a circle for it. <laughs> in terms sure. in terms of like the closeness the the family setup how the roles are played out yeah. etc i think there are some like kind of you know common through lines like mm -hmm. uh family oriented uh communities mm -hmm. how should we put it strict upbringing or culturally yes. conservative upbringing um, yes culturally conservative absolutely. academic uh focus on academia yes i think that is that is pretty prevalent prevalent yep through most of asia that's why not so many Indian game developers. If you're going to go into tech, like, why aren't you working at Google yeah. that pays you money? Yeah. <laughs> like, why aren't you working at well, Apple that pays yeah. you money? Games, do you do anything? <laughs> and and uh, being a writer, editor, they're like, oh, does she, can she afford food? <laughs> <laughs> not my parents, but just there's a little yeah. bit of that on the outside. Like, yeah. I I my mean, sister has a real job. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, writing, even, even, uh, I feel like even in uh, white families, like writing is considered oh, like yeah. not a real job. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is my partner. My partner is actually white. And, uh, yes, he has the real, not real job of being a writer where all the rest of his siblings are lawyers. So they do have real <laughs> jobs, <laughs> but his family was, his family's great. His family's very accepting. His family is very, very wonderful. I love them deeply. Yeah. But being in the games industry, it was, again, that experience where I felt like very I was very othered because I'm like, I'm not white enough to be here, but I'm also still not Asian enough or I'm not a known Asian and I can't be with these people here. So mm -hmm. I'm on this island alone, which is why, again, I found one other dev and I'm like, you, oh, my God, you do you know how this feels? And we were, I was a, I was able to have a conversation about somebody with a similar life experience to me. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel like I was home. 
because uh, again, as as welcoming as, as both those spaces can be, when it is a weird other section, and even today, like I, every time I see an Indian game dev, like my heart soars like three times bigger. <laughs> it's like it's like a, an opposite Grinch for happiness. <laughs> Well, uh, you have to you have to be checking out these uh, interviews because you yes. are the third uh, South Asian person I interviewed oh, in this series. I'm so so I think you might know the other two, but uh, I they're, they're pretty they're pretty prominent on Twitter. <laughs> yes, so. yes. Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm I'm super delighted about that because I started back in the year of Our Lady two thousand and eight at okay. BioWare, and I think there might have been actually one other Indian game dev there, maybe. But it was, it, well, in, in terms, it was hella white. Some. It was hella white. Like, yeah. I, I started working in the games industry in 2006. Mm-hmm. And granted, I was working at Ubisoft Montreal that has like, like oh. even then had 1,200 people when I oh, started. Oh, yeah. So there were a handful of Indian people, which uh, I was the only Japanese person. Though. Oh, I'm really shocked to hear that, actually. Yeah. Actually, Japanese, Japanese game devs are even more rare, I think, than... Uh, a lot of other communities. My my perspective is skewed because I've worked for Japanese companies before. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh. So if you're talking about Japanese companies, obviously mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit skewed. But Absolutely. if you're talking about like um, like for example, well, and Montreal is also kind of special because this is like French speaking and mm-hmm. uh, it's very far from Japan. The Japanese like the Japanese yeah. community here is extremely small as well um, mm-hmm. compared to other cities in in North Canada, America. Even. Yeah. I think the last estimate I heard that there is about 15,000 game developers working in the greater Montreal area. Wow. And I know every single Japanese developer <laughs> working in Montreal because that there's, right. there's only about, like, I think there's less than 20 of us. Yep. Wow. That is, that's wild. So, but of course, yeah, that's, of course you know each other. Small, that's it's pretty small. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty small group. Oh and, God. You know, frequently they don't stay either. They go back to Japan. Mm. So I can see that they either stay forever or they <laughs> they go back. It's 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 really one or the other. It's very rare to see like people here for mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> That's uh, my partner's ex-wife, who also works in the games industry. Uh, she's Japanese and she okay. was born and raised in Japan, and she immigrated when she was uh, eighteen years old. But I think she fell into the other category where she's like. Never again. Yeah, never, never going back to <laughs> never Japan. Again. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the never going back to Japan camp. But uh, really, just not the place I mean, you want to be. Well, the thing is, like, if you're not ethnically Japanese, it's, mm. it's not. You know, I think a lot of times what happens is Japanese people come to North America or they go anywhere and they experience racism for the first time because mm. they're like not the majority. Mm-hmm. And they've never even thought about what that would be like. Yep. So that they were like, sense. "Well, we, I don't like this," and I, and they go back to Japan, and they're much more comfortable because they go back to being the majority. Uh, I don't have that option. <laughs> like, I <laughs> that go back was to never Japan, and I'm, yeah, like I go back to Japan, and I'm still the minority. So, like, uh. there's that factor that is just not appealing for me and on top of it it's just not like i don't want to work for a japanese corporation i don't like uh i have a you know i have difficulty with like kind of the political values and like the cultural values in a lot of different fronts 
I I very much understand having um, worked for a couple of Japanese companies. Yeah, they can I, be I very conservative. Yeah, yes, they're definitely and, conservative. And frankly, I just don't want to be. I just want to go about my day-to-day life without being like this person that likes, which sounds funny because like mm-hmm. my, you know, Twitter profile, I have, I have red, red Mohawk and I, yeah. I, I am a very visible person on the internet and I, <laughs> I do all these things that really clearly mm-hmm. I'm not like keeping a super low profile, but, uh, um, I, under- I understand about the blending that you're talking about, but because I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to be identified as this like other person, you know, like yes. very different than like the things that you choose to be known for. Yeah. You so don't want I to think, be known for the things that you don't choose. Yeah. So that I think is, that's kind of one of the, like some of the reasons I don't really want to move back to Japan. No, I mean, and there's sense. also like macroeconomic reasons. Like I oh. don't really see it long like the future in japan economically but that's that's a completely separate that is a whole that's a whole but you you definitely you definitely touched on things that uh i thoroughly believe in which is the whole being visible on the internet i don't i don't have a, a huge following but wherever i go i i present the way i want to be presented and i think another reason why i didn't feel as in touch with my culture or i didn't seek that out at first is because i hated being other and I wanted to blend in in the ways that everybody else got to blend in and not be judged for it and not be othered for it. Mm-hmm. So that's also a part of me, my younger self. Again, we all just want acceptance. And so I tried to find that the best way I could. And when I couldn't get that anymore, it was what decisions do I make for myself to make myself happy? And that's when I, again, started to get more of a connection towards my my Asian heritage. Well, I think it's time to wrap up. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap up. Please okay. give us a final thought on the matter of being Asian. I would say that being Asian, especially in game dev is really complex because there are moments where you have a community. There's moments where you don't, there is a lot of judgments cast upon you that you can't control and have to actively fight against throughout your entire career to show that you are just, that you deserve to be presented for the person you are, regardless of anything. Uh, I do also think that it is very special because you do have a great unique perspective that others in North America may not have. Or even if you find other people who are like you, you still have a, a, a unique perspective because, again, the Asian subcontinent is huge. If I meet another Indian person, they're even a second generation Indian person, their whole experience might be completely different than mine and it can still help me learn and shape and grow. So to me, being Asian in the games industry in North America is just, it's complex and confusing and sometimes a little lonely, but also really beautiful. Well, I think that's well, I think that's a lovely thought and thank you very much. Okay. Well, have a great day and uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated it. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music and thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.